Hey guys, welcome to today's podcast. I hope you're well. I'm actually so excited to be chatting right now. I am very hyper and happy today, which I am not going to complain about because if you've been listening to podcast episodes this month or my YouTube, you will know that all of them have been titled like anxiety or just like overwhelm or whatnot. And I was really struggling this January and honestly today is just a breath of fresh air I have done so much processing and healing and therapy this last week because I was struggling the whole middle of January and then this last week I was like eff it I'm not gonna let you like basically for some context when you have let's say anxiety or like really down in the dumps or coping mechanisms coming in like just crazy whatever overthinking a lot of the time there's deeper stuff to be dealt with that is being triggered but because you almost can't sit with it or know what's going on you're doing all this surface level stuff overthinking being in your brain um feeling low all of that stuff and so the last week I really recognized like okay Anna if you want this anxiety feeling to go you're gonna have to do some uncomfortable processing and that's what I did and I want to go over all my kind of January realizations. It's currently the 1st of February. This is when I'm recording it. And I feel like I actually am really enjoying having monthly recaps and just being proud of the progress because sometimes there is so much progress and until you reflect back on it, can you really understand and feel it all? So I'm just going to go through everything, catch you up, and maybe this can be a little monthly tradition. Again, if I speak super fast or get super passionate, I am just happy. Honestly, like I woke up on the right side of the bed today. Sun was shining. I was just so happy. Every conversation I had with someone in the coffee shop, I was just over the moon, smiling. It's just so, so lovely. Okay, so first kind of thing, we are linking it back to this anxiety overthinking. Do you know what I mean? What I was just talking about. And one of the main things I learned was try to turn inwards instead of outwards. A lot of the time when we get to this place, we turn outwards. We reach for other people. We reach for other things. So depending on where you are in your journey, like for me, it used to be food. If I felt stressed, anxious, anything, I would emotionally eat. And then it would turn into like over the years, it's been other stuff. Sometimes it could be like sex. Other times it could be overworking. Other times it could be scrolling on social media and TikTok for hours. Like there's always so many different things that we distract ourselves with. And it's very easy when you're trying to get on with life and then your body and your brain is giving you you know, another story like, no, I'm not feeling great and I'm not doing this. It's really easy to try just push past it. And that's what I was doing in this middle two weeks of January. I had this resistance to sit with myself because I had this idea of, no, I need to carry on. I need to carry on. I have work to do. I have things to do. I don't have time for this. And I said that and it's like, so you don't have time to unpick something that when you do detangle the situation and almost like heal some parts or know what's going on, you'll actually feel better coming away from it. So when I did finally surrender and was like, okay, clearly something's up. And and this was when I was overthinking for like an hour going to bed, woke up with intrusive thoughts. Every single task was overthinking. I was so in my brain. I was like, fine, I surrender. Tell me what I've got to do. Tell me. I almost went to the universe. I looked up in the sky and I was like, tell me what I have to heal. 
and I slowly brought back my attention to myself. And it's about supporting yourself too. So when normally in the evening and let's say I would feel anxious about something and I would call certain people or, you know, try text or reach out and and almost like put my little heart into somebody else's to fix. Now, what I've really been practicing this January is like, right, okay, you feel anxious? I'm going to take you for a bath. I'm going to make you a nourishing dinner and I am going to clean up your area around you. You're going to read a book and you're going to do breath work. Even if you're so anxious during it, I'm going to turn up for myself. And it was that consistent action. I think it's so easy to just like, when we feel bad, we don't do the things that make us feel good because we don't feel good. And also don't expect yourself to suddenly feel good after you've done it. I could literally have a bath and clean up my space and go to bed and still feel anxious. And instead of being annoyed at that and, oh, why don't I feel suddenly better? It's like, no, you have turned up for yourself in a way. Your younger self is like, oh, she is actually looking after me though. Do you know what I mean? It's like doing those steps and you continuously doing that will really, really help in the long run. And you always do come out of it, guys. Remember, you have been here before. If you are down in the dumps, you have been there before and you know for a fact that you come out of it. So always hold on to that. Also, breathing really helped me. I really learned to use my breath in this period of anxiety because as you know, when you're anxious, you're all over the place. And doing deep belly breaths literally all day would really just take that almost unbearable side of the anxiety a little bit down and what's nice is that even now that I'm past it I still can recognize when I need a breath or oh let's do some breaths right now like even just before I do a podcast episode or before I have a conversation with someone or as I'm going to bed or before I eat a meal I'll take a few breaths just to regulate myself Another thing that my therapist kept repeating to me this month was like, Anna, you're in your brain too much, get back in your body. And this is a really new, interesting thing for me because overthinking is all about, you're almost disconnecting with yourself. You're going into your brain and you're analyzing everything. You're overthinking everything. That is your brain. But your actual self is in your body. Like it's in your body, which is probably a lot of the time where we have these like burning sensations in our throat and chest when we have anxiety, right? Like the stuff is all in your body. So my therapist always goes like when I say to her, like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. And like this situation and that situation. And I will be going over my brain on what to do. And she goes, Anna, get out of your brain. And I'm like, well, Cara, I need to use my brain because I need to make a decision. She was like, no, get in your body. So what that means is like, I'll do some handstands or I'll do a little bit of dancing just like intuitive dancing put on Shakira or put on like a sad playlist and do some lyrical dancing I don't know and when you come out your head even for just 10 five minutes and you're in your body you're letting it flow just ask yourself what would I like what feels good it's about what feels good and when you give yourself those options again okay do I want to go out tonight or not whatever initially first come without going in your brain too much what feels right in your heart? Ah, oh, I would actually really like to stay in tonight. It really feels good. Okay, boom, that's your decision. Don't even start thinking, oh, but what, what if like I miss out on something? And then what if that person's there? like, that's your brain. So it's about what feels good. And I did this yesterday. I was unsure. I'm basically going to Loughborough um, today for a couple of days. And I wasn't sure to go this week or next week. Like it really wasn't a big deal, but my brain was just like all over the shot. It was like, oh, what about then? Would it be better for work then? Would it be better for this? 
And I was saying to my therapist, like, I really can't decide. And she was like, Anna, get out your brain. And so I did 10 minutes of handstands. And then while I was in handstand, I was like, Anna, what do you want to do? And I was like, I would actually really like to just go have some fun for a weekend. You know what I mean? Like I live by myself and it's so nice to just see friends. And I was like, boom, that's your decision. You don't get to think about anything else. You're just doing that. And then as soon as I did that, I messaged more of my friends in Loughborough. And I was like, are you guys free? Like there was even some lovely girls who I know actually listen to my podcast saying oh yeah we should go for like a Sunday roast and we should go out and I was like okay boom that's my decision made like I this feels really good and I actually ended up going to bed really excited and today I've woken up really really excited and that's when you know you've really made the right decision when it just flows when it feels good and when it feels right in your body and what's really interesting is I don't know about you guys if you get this but whenever let's say I'm having an evening and I'm scrolling on my phone and then I'm trying to turn up for myself and I go oh okay it would be nice to maybe watch a movie, have a PJ night, watch a movie. And then my brain goes, well, if you're going to come off your phone, you might as well completely come off your phone and not watch any media and just sit with yourself and be with yourself and do wholesome activities. And then that's when my brain is coming in and then I get in a twist and then I don't even get off my phone or if I do, like I feel bad, like I don't even watch a movie and I do other stuff, but I don't feel good. And I was telling my therapist because I was like, you're surely the one that would say yeah tv is like a distraction if like you're feeling down that's not necessarily what you want to do again she was like Anna come out your brain like if you're having an evening and the first thing that came to your mind was like oh might be quite nice like to have a little movie night like that is a nice thing to do guys and if that feels good and right why are we getting in our brain about it and analyzing every section of it and being like oh should I like maybe that's not the most optimal thing to do like so that's what I'm kind of taking into February is like, I don't care whether things aren't optimal or supposed to be a certain way or whatnot. If something feels good to me, like a movie night, I'm going to go do that. Doesn't necessarily mean I'm distracting myself. In fact, I know if let's say my younger self was triggered and really upset, if I tried to be the parent in some situations, obviously I'd want her to express, let me know how she feels. But once she's told me that, so that let's say, that's my version of journaling and expressing myself. So not completely distracting myself and being like, right, just go watch a movie all evening and distract yourself from your feelings. I'm saying I've journaled. I know how I feel. I still feel a bit down. What should I do? I know for a fact my younger self would just want to be wrapped up in her pajamas, sit in front of the TV, have a few hugs and go to bed, right? That's just something that's nice. So it's like we can do that for ourselves now. We don't always have to sit with ourselves every moment of the day. Also, another thing I want to talk about on the thing of kind of coping mechanisms, but also like healthy coping mechanisms like movement. A really interesting connection I had probably two days ago, three days ago. And so I was talking about to my therapist probably the other month. Um, I don't know when it came up randomly in our conversation about when I was 14 years old, I got randomly obsessed with doing handstands and spending time upside down. Really, really weird. I went from not being able to hold a handstand for one second. Like I'd literally go up and fall down. That is the normal thing to do. And I went from that to holding it for like 60 seconds, walking on my hands up and down the garden in about, I don't know, months, maybe like six months or something. And okay, maybe even less than that, I don't know. And it was a skill that had always stuck with me. Like once I did that, cause I did it for so many hours every day, guys, I'd come back from school age 14 years old and I would just spend all my time upside down or on my trampoline. 
And I told her that story because we were talking about, we were really realizing how much intuitive movement really helps me reconnect with my body and how it makes sense that my whole childhood I was so sporty and active and all I wanted to do was run around be outside handstands trampolining and like we were like well she was actually going through a lot like I was going through a lot when I was a child like lots of situations happened to me but I just always was seen as the fun sporty kid and it was almost like my way of processing through the trauma a really healthy way do you know what I mean a really healthy way um, and clever way of a younger me kind of coping through that stuff. Anyways, so she kind of put that thought in my head of like, oh, that was probably, you're probably going through something now. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah. And then, you know, I was thinking, what was I going through in that age? And that 14 year old phase, like when I was doing those handstands was when I was actually being, um, I talked about it in my last podcast and I've kind of started opening up about it. Um, when I was sexually abused when I was younger. And it was only until, so I really don't think about it. And it was really coming up for me this January. This was like another realization, not even realization, just like healing thing for me this month was this big situation for me that I'd never really process. And you'll never guess what I started doing and being obsessed with recently, this last week or two, handstands. I feel like I'm in a different realm. Honestly, if I feel stressed, I do a handstand, not even do one handstand. I'll do like 10 minutes of handstand being constantly upside down. And it just, there's no thoughts that come into my head. There's just peace. And there's also this releasement through my chest because there's so much pressure going through my hands and shoulders. It almost feels like I'm channeling some sort of energy through the ground. And it makes me feel really, really grounded. And when I noticed like, it was just this big connection of like, oh my God, how specific of a coping mechanism to the story. When I was 14, I was going through that stuff and that's what I was doing. And then this month, I suddenly have this draw like to handstands. And when I mean to handstands, I mean like doing it in my own place. I regularly do handstands in the gym, but I do it in a way of like improving it and just having fun with it. I know for a fact when I start doing handstands in my home, that's that's something else. But like, I'm not against it at all. And it's not like noticing it and being like, oh God, yeah, I don't want to process the situation. So like, I'm not going to do handstands to bring that up. No, no, no. I am now going to do handstands more. If that's my way of like releasing that trauma and processing, I'm going to be holding a handstand the best I've ever held by the end of the month. So yeah, that was just another kind of realization. And these are just nice things to start noticing about yourself. Okay, next topic is everything happens for a reason and is teaching you some sort of lesson. Even when a friend is triggering you so much and you think it's all them and it's their stuff and oh, if only they didn't do that. I am telling you right now that is your situation to process. Not saying that let's say some of the things they're doing is unacceptable or whatever, but there is a lesson to be taught. And I really, really learned that this month because I had a friend slash, I don't even know what to call it, that really triggered me. And every time, like the more I went through the month, I really realized it was actually about me. I was like, oh God, it is me. And not in a way of like my fault, just... By me understanding why I'm feeling that and what they've triggered within me about my past and my unhealed parts, 
it's where the growth came from and it's where the peace came from. And so this person has become less triggering for me or not even less triggering, but like, I don't take it so personally that it's them. And they're actually such a good reflection of me. And they, well, they really make me reflect on myself. And so at the beginning of the month, when let's say they would really trigger me through like text and calls and not in a way of like, I don't know how to explain it. Situationship, a guide, you know what I mean? Friend, what, you know, that type of situation. And let's say a phone call wasn't picked up or like just like little things. And I would get triggered and feel unloved and whatnot. I really always thought it was like their shit. And like, can you not just be this person for me? But really what it was teaching me was why can you not be that person for yourself? And there were so many little lessons. And basically the perception shift was, as I said, the beginning I saw it as their fault. And by the end of it, like this last week, every time they've triggered me, I take a step back and I go, okay, this person has triggered an unhealed part of me. Let's just go straight to the unhealed part instead of channeling it through them and putting my anger and feelings and whatnot through them. Can I take a step back, understand that it's there's little things within me that's unhealed, heal those parts. And as soon as I do, honestly, I look at the situation like it's nothing, like not like it's nothing, but I'm like, oh, I'm actually really fine about it. And like, I'm standing more on my own two feet, which is really good. And yeah, one of the things that was really coming up for me was this whole thing around support. I, yeah, there's a lot about it. I don't know. I cried the other day through the forest. It was really like a movie moment for me. I was just crying. I was kicking leaves. I was, I was sitting by the tree trunk and I was just like, yeah, just tears are rolling off my face. And I felt so unsupported. But like, not just now, like I meant my whole life. I was like, fuck, I've gone through so much. It really just hit me because I was crying about my dad because I never cry about my dad. And it was like, oh God, like Anna, you lost your dad at 17. And you also lost him before he was born. Like he wasn't really that much in my life. And so never really had a present father. Obviously went through the sexual abuse and there's other things that I can't actually talk about. So just imagine some more things and just just lots of things and I was like I bless me like Anna you've really got through this life by yourself and then I was almost crying that like how much I almost picked myself up as well and I was like Anna you have done this by yourself you have completely changed your life you have no you like sometimes I feel like other people have got me here I was like Anna you have done this solo. Like, I'm not saying other people haven't helped me, but I have got to this position. I am sitting currently in my apartment, in my podcast studio, speaking of podcasts. This is my job through myself and you can do it too. Like, you genuinely can do it. And I was just, yeah, I was crying in the forest. I was like, oh my God, I felt so unsupported. And then I almost feel like sometimes I hold so much, like I'm always trying to be that, not always trying to be there for other people. Like I know to not over give in that way, but in a way of like a lot of my connections are me holding space for other people, even my mum. Like it's kind of switched. I hold space for my mum. I hold space for the boys in my life and I hold space for the girlfriends in my life. Do you know what I mean? I'm like holding space for so many people and it was like I wanted someone to hold space for me. And I wanted someone just to protect me and love me at all times. And it was like, and then that was where the breaking point one 
point of and like the wraparound of the month was but I am here for me like I am here for me and I think previously in my life although I have obviously been there for me and I got myself here I think throughout it like I've always been seeking that external support whereas now it's like I can really bring that to the table myself and that's really what teaching a lot like and that's really what living alone has taught me like when I am triggered I now know okay you're gonna take a bath you're gonna have dinner you're gonna listen to music you're gonna brush your teeth you're gonna do your skincare and like really supporting myself and okay let's get you in your pajamas you're not gonna go to the gym do you know what I mean it's really that adult brain turning on and being like no you're gonna rest right now you're actually gonna have a nap um, you're actually going to text that friend and be like, I can't do today. Or you're going to text your manager and be like, I'm feeling anxious. I need to take the day off. And that for me is turning up for myself. And what's really interesting as well, this was coming off of my therapy. Um, so I'm an anxious attachment style person, which means in some sense, I'm more of the needy. When I feel unloved and unsettled and triggered, I within like a relationship or something, I need more love. That's how I feel better. An avoidant attachment style is when things get overwhelming and like triggered and unloved. Do you know what I mean? That like not feeling good enough. So we're both in our triggered states. An anxious attachment style needs more and an avoidant needs less. And it's really good to notice this within your relationships because you'll be able to understand why some people push away when they're triggered and why some people pull in. And the funny thing is, is when you have an avoidant and an anxious attachment within one, within one relationship, it is like an atomic bomb, but it doesn't mean that it can't work, but it is kind of messy because what happens is, and this is kind of my situation, and not anymore because we're friends, but you get the, you get the deal. I would feel triggered, like, Let's say he was triggered and I was triggered. He would take a step back, but I needed more love. And so I would then need even more love because I felt unloved from him because he was just taking a step back in general. And then for him, it was so overwhelming because it was like, fuck this girl. Do you know what I mean? Like I need my space right now because I'm just annoyed in my own life. And then I've got someone adding more pressure. I've got to take even more of a step back. So it was just this push and pull, push and pull. And it was crazy. And so it was just really good to notice it. And something also that kind of put together yesterday in my therapy session. So this is all very new. My therapist was questioning me. Um, so where do you think, like, which mum or dad, where do you think this came from? And, you know, I was like, I'm going to use my brain and I'm going to say my dad because all of my problems come. <laughs> not gonna say problems but like everything comes from my dad he left me and whatnot and I'm probably an anxious attachment style because he left and actually when we got into it it was my mum now mum I know you're listening I love you I genuinely love you um we're on a healing journey together and it's so interesting that so she's an anxious attachment style sorry mum I'm analyzing your behaviors um <laughs> and and so I was brought up with that and so what that looks like for me was my mum was generally there at every point in my life every time I needed support and this is not a bad thing guys this is just reflecting it's always about reflecting without resentment my mum was there I needed anything I was upset I was triggered I was hurt I was crying I was angry like my mum was there and I'm talking about 
when things were in my own world. Do you know what I mean? Like a friend triggered me or a boy hurt me or stuff like that. Not necessarily me against my mum. Like that's just a different situation. But anyways, my mum was always there for me. So with that, I learned that I can almost get this external support all the time. And so what has happened as I've grown up and I've moved out and I'm getting on with my life, when I'm in a romantic relationship with other people, I that that is the way that I almost cope. When I'm stressed, I have learned that I reach out, like I used to go to my mum or not even go to my mum. My mum was there for me, always there for me. And so within my relationships, I almost expect that. And that's the normal for me. And that's what I've learned. And it was just so healing to notice that that's all it is it's never anger against my mom or like no it's just healing and it's probably going to be healing for her listening back as well to understand herself more because that's all self-awareness is you understand yourself more so you can have more compassion around it all and once I put two and two together and go ah the reason why I reach out a lot when I am in a romantic relationship or in that kind of situation is because I was always provided that external support from my mum. And now I want to really try to be there for myself. So my new things that I'm going in with February is when I am down or having those moments, when I notice myself wanting to reach out, I'm going, oh, this is just younger Anna reaching out to her mother. And instead, I'm going to be my own mother. Do you know what I mean? And there's nothing wrong with reaching out, guys but it's so lovely practicing really being there for yourself. Okay, moving on, something completely different. We're gonna talk about running and walking. And there's been a little bit of shift in my perspective. And my manager, Alex, actually told me this. Um, It was from a TikTok and it was like, and to be fair, I kind of did parts of this in my marathon training too, but it was like running for time and not distance. Actually, I take that back. I was always running for distance in marathon, but running for time instead of distance. So instead of saying like, okay, run a 5K, run a 6K, it's like run for an hour, run for 45 minutes, go slow. It's not about reaching a certain distance. It's about being able to continue to do it for an hour. And within that, was I able to have a really different run yesterday? Like it was quite magical. In fact, I think that was almost my pivotal point of loving running again, because previously the last couple of months, I've gone on probably two, maybe three runs a month. And when I mean I say that, honestly, it could be about 3K, it could be about 5K. And for someone who was training for the marathon not too long ago, that was like a lot less running that I wanted to do and just enjoyed doing. And it was because I was kind of saying to myself, okay, go do a 5K. And within that, we rush ourselves, we're like pushing ourselves too much and not getting that base building in. Basically, when you run, you actually, especially if you're going for a sorry, long distance, you want to run a lot slower. You want to work that aerobic system. You don't want to put too much pressure on your joints and muscles and whatnot. It's about actually keep it going. And yesterday I said to myself after therapy, I was like, I'm just going to go on an hour run. It's going to be calming. Think of it as a fast walk. Like honestly, like not even a fast walk. Like when you're walking, if you pick your feet up, you do a really light run. Just imagine running on your toes. So I said to myself, I'm just going to do that for an hour. And I did it. And I did like nearly nine kilometers. And it was the longest run I had done in about, well, I think actually since the marathon, which is just crazy. I did 42 kilometers in the marathon and I've just done a nine, but I feel like that's really lovely. And then next time I'll do like, you know what? I'm going to do an hour and 15 minutes and I might get 10, 11, 12. And then, do you know what I mean? And so on. And so it's this like difference of perspective. 
And you can also make it quite a magical experience. Like I did it at sunset yesterday. I had my manifestation music on and I was really releasing a lot while I was running and just putting things together. And that's when I actually had my brainwave about my mum. And so, yeah, it, it was really quite great for me. Next thing that I kind of learned this month was how important friends are and a variety of friends and that you're allowed to make new friends and you don't always just have to have your hometown friends. I literally thought because there was always this thing about quality over quantity, I was like, well, I have five friends from my hometown, so that's my quality and I'm and I'm good. But in reality, like, you know, I love them, but they're all at uni. We've all got our own lives and I probably averagely see them about three times a year and that's just not the same as having those friends that are near you and also new friends because as you grow as a person you're gonna have new types of friendships and if you don't essentially make new friends you won't know what those experiences are like and I was definitely you know I think working on social media can actually be quite isolating which is just I can't not iconic but yeah ironic of it all because you're exposed to so many people, so many people know you. And when you go out, you get recognized, but actually in your own presence and life, you are alone. Like I'm alone so much. And I went the last two years, like literally as soon as I came out of school, it's been like two years, actually nearly three years now. And obviously we had lockdown and then I went straight into this job and I did not put in any effort to make new friends. I really didn't think it was something I needed. And it was until I moved house about two months ago now it was coming to a point where I felt really lonely. And then I was picking it up like in terms of myself and making myself realizing and making myself understand that being alone doesn't have to be lonely. And then within that, did I realize, Anna, if you want to make new friends, you got to put your head up. And this is what it's about. We have the ability to make new friends. You've just got to put your head up. When I'm in a coffee shop now and I see a young person, I make sure my head is up and make, you know, maybe make a little conversation. And those little conversations could be like, hey, like, would you want to go on a walk sometime? And obviously, depending on your situation with me, I've got quite a few people actually in my area that actually recognize me from my Instagram. And now when I'm like talking to these people and I get a good vibe, I'm like, oh, would you like my number? Like, I'd love to like go on a walk or get coffee sometime. And it was actually my mum's advice that helped me kind of understand this. Cause I was saying to her like, oh, but mum, it's scary. Like, how do you know these people are like right for you and good people and, like, you know, how do you know they're good friends? And she goes, whenever, my mom has lived in so many places and so many communities, and she's such a community person. My mom knows everyone and their son. And like, we lived in different countries. Like when we lived in Belgium, she would have a whole community around her. We would look after each other's kids and everything. And what she said that she's always done, when she gets to a new area, she makes friends with everyone she says hi to every neighbor she says would you like to go on a walk would you like to meet up she says hi to literally everybody she says get a big range of people and then slowly you'll figure out who you like and you'll have some friends that are just for like once a month walk you'll have some people that are just that neighbor if you ever need to like do a wash or oh do you mind like watering my plants and then you'll have some people that become your everyday best friend and that you watch movies with and it was just so true we get so picky sometimes about like putting in that effort to make a new friend because we're like protective over our peace and like oh I don't know what you're going to be like but it's like just make friends with everyone like give out your number and just collect loads of people and then you have this little social circle of okay 
I'm going to text these few people if they want to do something. And maybe only one person replies, but then you've got plans. And that's what I'm doing lately. I'm just getting myself out there and slowly, like I'm finding myself hang out with more people more and, and just, it's really, really nice. And I just never done this before. I really feel like I'm jumping into adulthood. And it's nice to not be as reliant on one or two friends or like a, a boy or something and put all your time into them and actually be like, I don't need to see you every weekend now because I have other friends and other plans and I enjoy my time with them. And I feel more supported, but at the same time, not in a way of like, they are there for when I, when I re need to reach out or something, but just like, I don't feel as isolated as and alone because I'm like, I have a friend down the street and I have a friend who want, who could go on a walk on the weekend and I have neighbors that I've got, that I've made friends with downstairs. And so it's just nice building this little community and I'm gonna continue doing it, like keeping my head up, going on walks with people, having coffees, getting to know people. The next thing is book that class that you've been wanting to do. I am really bad with actually booking the class and actually like I even need to sign up to yoga I need to do it because I know as soon as I start doing it I'll want to do it like a couple of evenings a week and it's going to make me feel great but I just haven't got around to it but I did actually start Pilates this month like I basically obviously moved to my new place a new area and then my manager Alex came around for a weekend and she was like let's do a class let's do Pilates and so it got me to the class because it was a studio really near me I just hadn't been yet once with Alex, we did the class. And since then, I've done so many Pilates classes since. It's like my healing area. Like I book the class, like this morning I had it at 7 a.m. So then I look forward to it all week. I'm like, oh, I've got 7 a.m. Pilates class. I've actually done four classes this week, which is really nice um, because I've been like my luteal cycle, my menstrual cycle and those parts of your cycle are basically when you've got like less energy so I haven't really gone to the gym and instead I've just been doing these Pilates classes doesn't mean they're easy but they're definitely more like about control and body engagement and I am obsessed with Pilates at the moment and I think there's always this like stereotype of Pilates and I generally thought it was like some knockoff ab workout that isn't quite yoga and like it's a made-up sport or activity for the girls that just I don't know. I was really judgmental about it. I was like, oh, it's just those it girls that try to say they do Pilates and whatnot. <laughs> I was so rude about it until I did it. And I realized how when you get to like a proper Pilates place, like it is all about doing movements slowly, contracting your abs properly, tucking in your pelvis floor. It has helped me so much with my alignment. My handstands improved. My posture has improved. My abs, like just that core stability. I respect Pilates so much now and it's something that I'm going to continue to do. So book that class of whatever you've been wanting to do because you're probably going to really enjoy it and it will probably help you out and bring that excitement into your every weekly day routine because sometimes we can just get a little bit too into routine. So if we can have these once a week classes that just make us excited and change the frame of our morning because like if you have a 9am cycle class then you can go to the coffee shop afterwards and get a cute lunch and you've made this little cute day once a week. Next thing is comparing yourself to others will really hurt you. I, even me, like all in our own little worlds, but like for me, guys, when I watch YouTube and obviously the YouTube that I like to watch is normally like spiritual or self-development. And so I'm watching these YouTube 
videos and sometimes I get really in my head and I go Anna why don't you make videos like this like I straight away instead of being able to enjoy the advice that I'm given or stuff I straight away go into my own head and be like well you're not making videos like this they post twice a week why do you post whenever you do I mean and I and I get right into my head I get right in there and then I have to really go Anna two different people two different lives and you are physically trying your best if you compare yourself to that person you have no idea how many steps it took them to get that okay also if I can bring gratitude and appreciation for that person like wow this video is amazing and you've said some amazing advice and you do know more than me and I'll give it to you you're my age but I'll give it to you not even my age but just like you're on the same platforms of me and like you really know your stuff and when I bring that gratitude, it just brings a different perspective to it all. And you actually allow, it's all about allowing people to teach you things and allowing to be appreciative of others while appreciating yourself, right? And yeah, it, it still does. Like when I'm on YouTube, I'm like, oh, I should be doing that. And it's like, no, I really am learning. They are great. You are great. You can only be you. And take that into whatever thing that you are comparing yourself. You can only be you. You are trying your best and you are doing amazing. You are doing amazing at it. And comparison is the thief of joy. Instead of comparing, appreciate you both. And it's the same with like beauty. Someone else's beauty does not take away from yours. And I think you can take that into like... You know, when you're going on a night out and you're suddenly thinking like, oh, but everyone else can look better. And oh my God. And then when you see a really pretty person, you're like, oh my God. It's like, no, 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 no. And this is something that I've been doing for a while now. And I go, they are beautiful. Wow. Gorgeous. Excellent. How about beautiful? And I am beautiful too in my own beautiful ways. Okay. Appreciate them. Appreciate you. Next thing that I've started doing this month is decreasing my caffeine. Um, yeah, I was consistently having two a day, which when I was struggling with anxiety did not help. And as my anxiety got worse, I was like, right, you're having decaf. Like I had one latte and then I'd have one decaf. And so that was good. And then especially when I'm on the first day of my period, there is no caffeine. There is only decaf lattes because basically, especially if you struggle with period cramps, you do not want to be having a coffee. It will make them so much worse, especially if you don't have breakfast. Like it's just an atomic bomb. So I tried to have less caffeine on the beginning of my period. But guys, this is kind of going on to my next point about like cycles and menstrual cycles. It's really good to notice. Like I honestly shift as a person throughout my cycles. Like when I'm in my luteal cycle, this is like the week before your period or like a couple of days, no, like more than a week before your period. I start getting a little bit lower in energy, a little bit more like, oh, do you know what I mean? Like a little bit more slower. And then the day before and the day on my period, you know, there's like four or five days between when you start your period is very reflective, emotional. And I like to not actually have social things. I actually cross out in my planner. Like I am on my period or like it is like two days before my period. I need to be by myself because otherwise like I just need to be inwards. I need to reflect. I need to journal. And then 
honestly, I would say from like day two of my period and onwards, I become the most hyper like little workaholic but not in like an unhealthy way just like loving work I start going to the gym even more like the last week so basically I'm that's this is the period of my time that I'm describing now it's like day three of my period so my energy is just going up but the last week I only did pilates I didn't really go to the gym I took it really slow and everything and now I'm like oh my god give me a coffee let me go do work let me go to the gym let me I'm just on this like high energy of life and I just go with it instead of comparing and trying to be really high energy the week before my period and asking myself while I'm why I'm not so you know working as hard and pushing through and whatnot and then also taking it onto the flip side I try not to lower myself too much when I am in this hyper stage it's like Anna, just do it all. Like, obviously I'm resting at points and making sure that I'm fueling myself a lot, but like, I just become this high energy, worky girl, boss babe, era, social parties. Okay, God, I never go to parties, but like social or like going out more, like I'm going out tonight, guys. (laughs) And I think actually most days this week, which normally only do like one or two nights within the whole month, like, I'll go Saturday, I'll go Friday and Saturday and that'll be it for the month. Not like a Saturday next week and then another Saturday. Like I like to do little benders in itself. Do you know what I mean? Like a couple of nights in a row. Anyways, I think that's going to be this week because the uni friends that I'm going to go see, it's basically the end of the exams. Um, So we're going to go out, which will be fun and good for me. And so, yeah, I'm really feeling that. So I'm just saying it's really good to like notice what stage of your cycle you're in and then like letting yourself fully be absorbed in that moment and saying that another thing that i've just started doing is seed cycling which is basically you have pumpkin seeds and flax seeds on day 1 to 14 of your menstrual cycle so as soon as you start your period and then for two weeks and on day 14 to day 28 you have sesame seeds and sunflower seeds and i can't tell you all the benefits yet i know it's to do with hormones and stuff and it's supposed to just make life better I don't know. There's a lot more benefits. I just don't know them off the top of my head. And I've just started doing it. I go, why not? Why not serve my body in that way? Next thing that I learned this month was that solving problems bring you happiness. I am normally really bad with problems. And I know I've mentioned this in a previous podcast. When a problem comes, I freak out and I get overwhelmed and I'm like, oh, like when I need to set up bills or set up Wi-Fi or make a cabinet that looks really confusing. I just, I I shut down and I get other people to do it or I procrastinate and don't do it for months, which then gets me in trouble with the, with the bills. And what I started doing is, well, I read a book, it's called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. And he said, happiness comes from solving problems. And when I read that, it really spoke to me. And I was like, actually, when I always do end up doing the thing, like sorting out the Wi-Fi, I felt so accomplished afterwards. I was like, oh, I'm on top of the world. And so that really helps me when a problem comes, instead of seeing it as like an obstacle and like, oh, I can't get over it. And this is just, why is life doing this to me? It's like, Anna, this is a challenge. Think of it as like a running race or like a sports day race. It's a fun thing to do. And when you finish it, and it's just about continuously carrying on. I'm looking at the cabinet that took me about two days to make. And when I opened up the package, there were so many metal screws, I cried. There were so many pieces. I had to make drawers. I had to make doors. I had to make shelves, all of it. And there were so many points where I nearly gave up, but I just kept putting one foot in front of the other. And I just was like, right, this screw goes here. This goes here. 
And when I looked at the whole manual at the beginning, it freaked me out because there were so many stages. But when I actually did step by step, it was all good. So I feel there's a whole life lesson within me making the cabinet. <laughs> okay, guys. So I hope you enjoyed the podcast. And I really want to leave you with one kind of thing that I've also, you know, my last understanding. And that is that we are never right. We are always wrong, but we get less wrong through the years. And I think I may have mentioned this already somewhere on my channel, but I just think it's really important because even like everything that I put out, let's say even going back to like episode one, episode two of my podcast, that was me fully understanding my situation to my greatest. And I may, like I'm always wrong, but I'm always a bit less wrong. And I feel that allows room for growth. If we think we're right, then where is the room for growth essentially? And it's not like, oh, I'm wrong, so don't listen to anything I say. I'm just saying I'm a, a lot less wrong than I used to be. And I feel like a lot of people resonate to maybe past versions of myself too. So it's just a journey of learning more about ourselves. And yeah, I really, really hope you enjoyed this episode. I have my own Instagram, Anna Archer Fitness, um, on TikTok, Instagram. And then we also have a podcast Instagram, which is such a community. It's called Inside Anna's Mind Podcast. So feel free to go on there. But yeah, I'm leaving you now and I hope you guys have an amazing week. Bye.